Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. And I'm going to talk a little bit. I've been reading a little cute book by Marilyn Hickey's daughter called Solutions. And I've been thinking a lot about the solutions that we need. And it's taken me on a journey in the world in the last few days about really our, our faith being under pressure. Because this is what it's all about. Uh, and the trials that we go through in life. But this, this season that we're in, is, it is quite remarkable. This whole thing of it being uh, the, the Rosh Hashanah thing. And I, I, I just want to read to you, one of the, it's one of the anointed feasts of the Lord. It's called the Head of the Year. And our friend Chuck Pierce, he has a conference called the Head of the Year. Are you familiar with that? If you don't get to go to Texas, please watch him online because it's just brilliant, the stuff that he does online. But anyway, it's a call to birth, triumphant harvesters, triumphant warriors. And and we were having a conversation the other night about warriors and worshippers. And you know, God is actually looking for us to be both. You have to know when it's time to go to war and when it's time to just worship him. And, And I asked the Lord... Oh, a few years ago now, I said, what, what do you want in London? You know, we've got so many black African churches who are just warring and warring and God bless them. Thank God they're up during the night. Yeah, we do. Thank God for the warring during the night watch. But then we've got so many worshiping churches and the Lord spoke to me just out of nowhere. You know how he does when you think he's not listening, but you kind of ask him a question and you hope he will answer someday or you hope he'll hear you. But anyway, he said, I'm looking for warriors of love who'll be worshippers in war. And he showed me a vision of people in London who just absolutely adore and love each other. Warriors of love. Absolute warriors of love. Real love. You know, God-given love. But in the middle of war, instead of yelling and screaming and, you know, trying to get some place of victory, they actually worshippers. They're worshippers in the middle of war. So I'm going to read you some scriptures. We're going to look at this whole thing of, uh, Rod mentioned already, the sounding of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. And let me tell you what this was. This was a wake-up blast. It's a wake-up blast. It's a sobering time near the Day of Atonement. We actually got married on October the 6th, so it's our 32nd wedding anniversary on October the 6th. Yeah, and uh, I remember the, you lived in a house across the street in Church Row in Hampstead, and we invited the man who owned the house. And he said, oh, I can't come to a wedding on that day. It's the Day of Atonement. Well, I didn't know really anything about Israel or the Jews or the way they live their lives or their calendars or colors. I, I really knew nothing. I just know God had given me a supernatural love. Um, But the Day of Atonement is a call for repentance and a turning back to the Lord. Uh, And Rod and I know that there's a huge amount of grace in our relationship, in our marriage, in the ministries that have been birthed and established through our lives' work. And so these 10 days are ones of great introspection. Okay, this is a time in your 
Christian journey to, to, to have some introspection, some heart searching, some self-examination. But the sound of the, of the shofar was uh, for the Jew, and it still continues to this day. It's a call to examine your life. You know, and I say that soberly. It's a time to make amends with all those ones who may have wronged you in the previous year to ask forgiveness for any vows one may have broken. And I know yesterday afternoon when I was reading this and the Lord quickened me, I need to write to my sister again who hasn't spoken to me for about a year. And basically she's just kind of in a place where she doesn't appreciate my Christianity, my positiveness. And you know what? I've made a decision. Actually, I can't really change that. Sorry, but I do think positively about the future. And uh, so I've made this decision. But, but let me read you for a minute anyway, James 1. Let's, let's just go back to that. I've got tons of stuff up here. Probably won't do any of it. Because I want to talk about our identity this month. I want to talk about having a huge harvest in a huge trial. Because many people feel right now they're in a huge trial. Yeah? Not just me. It's a big trial. It's a long trial. It's been going on a long time. We've had a, like Lucy said, a bursting up kind of inside of us that something amazing is supposed to happen. But the truth is, it hasn't happened. And it feels like it should have happened 20 years ago or years ago, but it hasn't happened yet. And so I want to talk about our identity. I want to talk about our continuing identity. I want to tell you that whole thing with Ray Hughes. It is for worship leaders, uh, uh, but I believe we are called to be a worshiping church. We are called to be a church who prays and intercedes and makes declaration amidst the worship. Because that's what we do. That's what we've been doing anyway. Uh, And I've been thinking a lot about Habakkuk 1, which I told you last time, Habakkuk 3, 1, excuse me, where he says, a prayer set to triumphal, wild, enthusiastic music. And I've been thinking about all the times I have prayed and just blessed God, put my head down and said, come on, God, we're going through this. Many trials, too many things to discuss you know, and go into in detail. But anyway, Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us, guide us into the Word now. As we read the Word, as we look at the Word, as you teach us and help us to choose our identity well in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. So I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, James 1.12. says, Blessed, happy to be envied is the man or woman who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he or she has stood for the test and been approved, he or she will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now, when I was getting ready this morning and I was just cleaning up my teeth, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you always have me so far away because I was actually praying. You know how you do, you clean your teeth and yet you're actually praying about what's supposed to happen. (laughs) And he said, you've always got me so far away. He said, I don't want to be so far away. Bring me down. 
bring me into where you are. And I said, but you're high and lifted up, but you're up there and we're in the earth. He said, so welcome me. So I'd like every one of you just to readjust your thinking for a moment and not have a God who's like me when I grew up in the Anglican church, which I love the Anglican church, but God was always way above the pulpit. He was way high. Bring him down. Bring him down. Bring him, welcome him into where we are, where you are, where you are at work, where you are at home, where you are in your relationships, in your marriage. Bring him down into it. Yeah? And let's be that triumphant church. Let's not feel we've got to struggle to, like, get some triumph. You know, God has planned us. He has openly disarmed the powers and principalities. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, I mean, God's done that. So he's looking for us to be all that we are destined to be. And he'll come and he'll help. So just to read this again, blessed, happy to be envied is the man or woman who is patient under trial. I don't know about you, but I haven't been very patient the last few weeks. In fact, I've been like getting impatient. We even had a trustees meeting and one of the trustees said, oh, she's got itchy feet. Well, I do. I'm preparing myself for the future and I've been preparing myself for the future and I'm waiting for that future to happen. So I haven't been patient under trial. And this is what the Lord said to me the other day. He said, look, you're patient under trial, but you stand up. I haven't been standing up. I don't know about you. And when I say standing up, I'm talking about standing up in the spirit. Okay? I'm talking about standing up and being who God has called you to be. I'm talking about not being concerned or fearful because God is with us and he's with us with his grace and it's every day. It's every day. So I want to read you a few things too that I've been studying out about Peter. Peter was quite incredible, really. You know, <laughs> he had some real character issues. He had some real ca- How many have got character issues? No, Rod's the only one who doesn't. And I live with him. And let me tell you, he is a blessed man to have me praying for you. No, I mean, have the whole church. <laughs> Have the whole church praying for you. You are a blessed man. You are a blessed man. But, you know, you've heard me share from Luke 5 about Peter. And what was the first mistake he made? He, he, was, he came into this whole thing of rejection. What did he do? He rejected when Jesus said, hey, put your net out on the other side and you'll catch a big harvest. And we're looking at coming into a big harvest, aren't we, church? We want the big stuff now. Bring it on. We want this city to be saved. We want this nation to be changed. We want the sounds of triumphant, wild, enthusiastic music to be around our prayers. We want to learn from Ray Hughes. We want to learn. God, what does this mean? We don't want to be religious and do it all nice. We want to be successful and triumphant. And so Peter, when when they caught so many fish in Luke 5, they, I mean, they had such a harvest, he had to call his partners, right? And his partners were the other fishermen. But anyway, what happened was, he said, this is what he said to Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. 
Listen, I want to tell you, when I was lifted up out of my body, 1978, so it's a few years ago, and Jesus came down in the clouds and he appeared to me, my head was spinning. Where am I? What is going on? I watched my thoughts fall back to earth. I was like, oh my God, I'm dead, you know. And I just was frozen on the inside of me. And I looked in terror, and Jesus was patient. He was so patient with me. He just waited. And I remember the first thing that I did was, I got to go somewhere. I got to go get my act together. Let me go as far as I can go from you. And it just grew and grew on the inside of me. Because why? I couldn't take any more goodness. Don't look at me like that. How much goodness can you take? Not just being whole, not just being rich, having every relationship at peace. Goodness. You know, ask yourself this question. How much goodness can I take? We are not, we are not ready to take all the goodness that God wants us. So that's a pretty good prayer. God, make me ready not to reject all the goodness you've got for me. And, and, and the prayer would be, Lord, show me. Like Moses said, show me your goodness. Let me see. Listen, I'm not going to live afraid that I'm not going to say, no, I'm not having some chip in my hand. I'm not having tattoos on my body and I'm not having tattoo, a chip. Okay, so that's just where I am. I'm old-fashioned, biblical. But I'm not having that because the God of all grace is going to help me. I don't know how fruit is going to grow in the back garden if you don't want insects. But I'm telling you, we're going to eat apples off a tree in the back garden. And I'm telling before the world, okay? I love Worcester Pomaine apples and we're going to grow a fruit tree. A tree fell down. A huge, huge tree last Saturday afternoon. You know what? It was completely dead on the inside and I shared it last week it was completely dead they'd been all week they'd been cutting up and it's still not cleared away I'm like okay God I get it you're saying goodbye to dead things in our life things are changing things are changing so Peter made a bunch of mistakes but Jesus didn't mind Jesus doesn't worry about your mistakes Seriously, he doesn't worry about them. He, he's there to say, I'm going to give you some grace and I'm going to show you how to do this. So that was one thing, rejection. Another thing was wandering away from the presence I was reading about in the storm in Matthew 14. Remember where the, the storm, I mean, amazing storm was going on and they were all afraid. All the disciples were afraid. We might have time to turn to all these scriptures because it's a bit of a Bible study, but I just, I want to share this with you. They were afraid and the storm was there. The last thing they expected was Jesus to come walking on the water in the storm. Isn't that like us? The last thing we expect is Jesus to walk and show up in the middle of the storm from something we couldn't possibly conceive. He just walked across that water. And Peter said, oh my God, Lord, if it's you, bid me come and I'll come. I mean, he changed a bit then, hadn't he? He was like, I want to come, I want to be with you. 
And what did he do? He got out the boat and he started walking on the water. And all these people that say, oh, it was two inches high and all this nonsense. No, he did the supernatural. He got his eyes fixed on Jesus. And what did he do? He walked towards him. And you've got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus right now. Don't wander away. Don't get out of church. Don't just, don't do all that silly stuff. Stay in the goodness. Because when I went to hell, I hated it. I put my hands up to go, oh, and I couldn't see my hands and that freaked me out. I mean, I was already frozen with whatever happened in that moment of time. God has used all these years to keep me just fighting through. Never mind the natural, never mind what's going on on the outside. I got to keep the inside fixed. Never mind what God's destined my life for. I've got to be ready for it. And I've got to be ready to step into it. And I've got to be ready to bring him glory. And there's some things I see and I think, how does that bring glory to God? How did that honor heaven? You know, don't you just want to quit? Don't you just want to start bursting out of yourself and not being afraid to say anything? I don't want to live afraid to say anything. I don't want to live behind a big balloon of, you know, whatever people think I want to I want to be real I want it to be real I think Peter wanted that I think another thing that happened in we can read about in Mark 9 if you just want to make a note of these they were all on the Mount of Transfiguration and do you remember what happened Peter started chitter-chatting I mean it's incredible to me that nervous chatter you see when people are insecure and frightened in God's presence they're like or they have to say everything first they're kind of control freaks and they don't realize they are come on go with me stay with me okay let's not make those kind of mistakes and then look over here in Matthew 18 where where the pride came in and and Peter again he goes God how many times do I need to forgive like how many times and what did the Lord say limitless what did I have to do with Rod I had to forgive when we were first married the first year of our marriage we had such a humdinging collision and he drove off as he used to in those days and probably went to the movies (laughs) (laughs) he was the man and I was like went out for a walk and we lived by Hurley by the river and I was just fuming and I said God you should just do something with him cut his ear off do something well I'm passionate you know and the Lord said you should forgive him me forgive him he was the one that was so rude he was the one that was so hurtful not me and the Lord said you forgive him I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it God had got it all wrong he had he got it all wrong no not me he said and then he said to me you should forgive him and as a matter of fact you should forgive him for the rest of his life I can't hear you. (laughs) Forgive him for the rest of his life. God said, yes, I did. (laughs) 
it's outrageous generosity. It's outrageous generosity to forgive somebody for the rest of their life. God has actually forgiven people for the rest of their lives. He just wants them to get it right. He just wants it to be good for them. I'm going to tell you some things. You're just going to have to meditate on it. You're just going to have to think about it. Because I thought about it for two weeks. I thought, well, I'm not telling this obnoxious yank that he's forgiven forever. I go, oh, and we'd get in the car and we'd drive. And I'd think, yeah, you're forgiven. And I'd think, but I'm not telling you. into this I told him and sure enough he said see I knew you loved me I'm like well of course I love you but I then told him I didn't want to tell you actually two weeks ago when we had that big row I know that there are people in your lives who heckle you (laughs) I know that there are people in your lives that need forgiving. Just forgive them. Just get over it. Just let it go. God's forg- If God's forgiven them, why can't you? And for that matter, you know, when I've sinned and I've carried it and gone, oh God, I'm so sorry. He goes, you already said that to me like a year ago when you did that. I'm like, yeah, but he goes, but I've forgotten it. You know, it does take time to be patient under trial and to stand up under temptation. And we still have a way to go with these trials. And I'm not going to teach on trials every month, but I am going to tell you that we seriously need to learn how to overcome them before they even start. And not let them get in all our heads, not get so shamooed that our head is full of error. I want my head full of Jesus. I want my head full of the truth. I want to be able to stand up in the face of temptation, not sit down. So what happened with Peter? Let's go back to Peter and let me just finish this up for a minute. In Mark 14... And you could actually read through the whole of Mark 14 and you'll see plenty of things there. Peter was boasting. He said, I'm not going to deny you. The Lord said, you know, there's one here. I think we mentioned it today with communion. There's one that's going to deny me. Not me. I'm not the one. <laughs> like, you know, you heard when maybe, when maybe when Rod was talking about the mark, the chip, you're like, well, not me. I won't be afraid. But you know, deep down, you will be. I remember sitting in, in Dan Shaham's office in the Israeli embassy years ago, and he had the television on and they had the Israeli stuff on. And we were doing a meeting in cooperation with the Israeli embassy. And it was when I first started getting into all this stuff about praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And when I met Robert Stearns and he asked me to be the UK prayer coordinator, which I don't feel in the least bit I do. I mean, John does this wonderful job. And please go and please go and pray. I mean, I, I do want us all to have a big heart for, for Jerusalem. And, and, and Dan was looking. He said, oh, look at that. He said, just this morning, a woman, a pregnant woman walked into a cafe. And this was years ago. Pregnant woman walked into a cafe and she was a suicide bomber. He said, how does Israel, how do we deal with that? This is the embassy in London when it was over in Kensington in that street, 
road there. Um, he said, how do we deal with that? And I was just like, I don't know. You know, because it leaves you speechless when you think about a pregnant woman strapping herself as a suicide bomber and going into a cafe and blowing it up. It's like, I, I, can't, I don't know. In those days, I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't do those things. I couldn't cope with that kind of information. And he turned around to me and he said, are you willing to die for your faith? And I just said, yes, immediately. But deep down inside, I thought, no, I would hate it. I would be scared. That is frightening. And I've had to think about it all these years. Are you willing to die for your faith? Are you going to be one that says, I won't deny you, Jesus? I mean, we're coming into a whole new realm. We're coming into a whole new season. We're coming into a place where provision is just overwhelmingly abundant. So we're going to provoke a lot of Jewish people to the kingdom because of the glory that we walk in, because of the gold dust falling, because of the extraordinary miracles, because of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do, because of God being here with us, not way, way off, because of it being an embracing of God. Okay, it's a total different, it's a total different place to walk that we're walking. And, and so I think about Peter's boasting he just said to Jesus, you know, I'm not going to be like that. I can't handle all that. I'm not going to be like that. And Jesus said, yeah, you're going to deny me and the cock's going to crow three times. And it did. So we don't have to go over these stories. We know them in church. So there's rejection. There's wandering away from the presence. There's the nervousness, the chatter. There's the pride, okay, not forgiving. There's the rebuke. You know, now let's look at the weak flesh in Mark, go on down in Mark 14. I could take you on a journey through Mark 14 and you could see it. Uh, and Jesus is in Gethsemane and I always think about, wow, you know, we never think of Jesus going through a huge big trial. Do we? We always think of him, everything is fine with him. He's in heaven, he's ever lives to make intercession, it's all okay. But the fact is, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane needed his disciples to get up with the program and pray. In fact, he said to Peter, you almost can see Jesus walking over and kicking him, saying, wake up, can't you just pray? Can't you just pray? Peter said, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I will, I will, I will, I'll do it. I'll do it, you know. And I know I've, I've shared the story when we used to lead the prayer school, and I said, you know, it took about a year, and three times during that year, I actually woke up in the morning and got up and prayed. And that scripture in Isaiah, you know, he wakens me morning by morning, used to just stir in me and pull on me, and I used to think, yeah, I'll do it next time. It's too cold. I had so many excuses not to fulfill the will of God in my life. I had so many reasons why I wouldn't stand up. I had so many things that I just put them all before God. And in those days, the Lord began to give me words, rhema words, of what we were dealing with coming backwards and forwards, coming in and out of London. So it wasn't an issue of my flesh not staying awake. It was an issue of not not being at a distance with the Lord. And, you know, remember one of the things Peter did, he followed the Lord, but he followed him at a distance. You're looking at me like, do you read your Bibles? 
Do, do I need to go through every single scripture? We can do that, but we'll be here for another hour. I'm talking about your faith under pressure. When your faith is under pressure, when you're having a bad day, and not just a bad hair day, a bad day, a bad time, and loads of you put your hands up, you're in a big trial, you need to get in the word and you need to stay in the word, okay? Because God's called us to live victoriously. He didn't call us to live as victims. He's called us to live victoriously. We can count on the fact that there are uns- there's plenty of unseen evil in the world. Okay, the Bible teaches that. But the bottom line is we're just to let go and trust God. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to do that a whole lot more than I've ever done it in the past. So for me, this whole, this whole issue of here, look in Colossians 2.15 if you like, and let's get the picture straight. Colossians 2.15 in the Amplified, it says, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us. He disarmed them. You're looking at, you're looking at stuff that is disarmed. All these accusations, you know, all this stuff. It's all, it's all coming from a disarmed enemy. He made a bold display and a public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it in the cross. I mean, he's done it. I'm like, you know, in the old days, they would have the city and they'd get the city all prepared for celebration. And when the gates opened and the returning triumphant uh, leader of the army came in with the defeated guy behind him, the king was defeated. You know, it was humiliating. It was humiliating because the, the king came in humiliated and the triumphant warriors came in and they all came into this triumphant singing. I think there's something God wants to completely shift off our heads and this church and what we're doing. We're supposed to be triumphant. We're supposed to sing triumphant songs, whether they're worship or whether they're warring. They're supposed to be victoriously triumphant. And we're supposed to pray in the midst of that. We're supposed to be happy clappies. It's okay. It's okay to leave church and say, you know what? I'm going to be patient under this trial. I'm going to sit this one out because this thing that's coming against me is coming from a disarmed place. That's what it says, what the word says. You only have to sit it out. You have to be patient. God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us, made a bold display, a public example. You know, you've got to think what's coming against you was dragged into heaven and revealed as a defeated foe. That Hollywood media is a defeated foe. That London media, it's a defeated foe. You know, it's, it's over. Things, when are we going to get it? Brexit is over. We are free from that government. And however long it takes to disentangle, we're coming out, we're disentangling, and we're moving on. But yes, there's tough times ahead. Yes, I'm not being stupid. There are really tough times ahead. So you better learn how to deal in a trial. You better tell yourself, excuse me, I'm not going to listen to those lies because it's coming from a place of disarmed power. It's just totally disarmed. 
I'm going to back up. You know what? Sickness and disease, it's been disarmed. Now, I know my husband's going through a big trial. I live with him every day. I see what's happening. I know his faith is under pressure. I know it's tough. So it's easy for me to say, well, you should do this and that and the other. I don't do my best not to do that. But literally, Satan, sickness, poverty, lies have been legally stripped off him. So you don't have to be yelling and crying out for it. It's done deal. It's a done deal. And even though these evil spirits continue to operate in the world, okay, they only operate until some believer uses his God or her God-given authority to enforce their defeat. So tell that stuff, come on, get under my feet. You get under my feet. God's plans for me are for good. And, and next time I go to heaven, which may not be until we all go, I'm going to stand there and say, oh, let me have all your goodness. Lord, let me have the fire. Oh, yeah, let me just not sing about your consuming fire. Come on, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Let me have every, everything is good there. There are no tears. There is no struggle. There is no trial there. I'm over it. I'll have the crown of life. Thank you very much. Here, I'm happy to throw it down at your feet because I don't need it. I don't need the glory. You do. You're amazing. God is amazing. I love your t-shirt. This is incredible. All right. So let's go back to James 1.12 for a minute. Let's read it again because I have tons of scripture I could give you. But I think we should just major on this And since we're running late. Or maybe we are, I don't know. No, we're not. But anyway, we are. Blessed. You want to be blessed? Of course you do. Be patient under trial. Are trials easy? No, they're jolly difficult. Actually, I want to say they're ruddy difficult. They're horrible. You feel awkward. You feel out of place. You feel, you know, gosh, trials are incredible. But we're always going to have them in this world. But stand up. Stand up under temptation. You know when temptation comes and it starts hitting you in the head that you were this person, you were that person. It's always about your past. It's never really always about your future. It's always just an, an accusation. Yeah? But you stand up. Stand up. Stand up under it. Who's got an area they can stand up in this week? Yeah. Some of you aren't sure. No, I'm telling you, stand up. Make the week different. God's plan for me to be successful in what I do. I asked, I think it was uh, Tanya yesterday, I said, what does success mean to you? Success means different things to different people. But everyone in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice, you are destined for success. So get over yourself. Stand up under temptation. But when you've stood the test and been approved, you will receive the victor's crown of life. That's how you get resurrection power, because you press through. You do the right thing, regardless of what it feels like. I knew it was the right thing to tell Rod he was forgiven. I know it's the right thing to live with him, forgiven for the rest of his life. Though there are times when I don't feel like forgiving. There are times when he is not perfect. 
to live with. And I am not perfect. He will tell you next week how imperfect I am. (coughs) You have the floor next week. Okay. But God has promised to give us the crown of life. All I can do is to help. I do my best to help. You can't force other people to be like you. You can only force them in prayer to come and have a confrontation with heaven and leave it up to God. So when you're praying, when you're praying for others, stand firm and stand up. I feel like there's this whole realm in the spirit that's unoccupied. And God is looking for every one of us to rise up and be in it. And I love to see you step into it, praying. I love to see Michael step into it. I love to see us stepping into these. Because it's spiritual. It's not about the natural. Sometimes in the natural, it might look completely the opposite. Like it must have done with Peter. Because he got out the boat. He showed off in front of the disciples. And he got out and went to Jesus. Oh, my gosh. And he looked at the waves. And what happened? He started to sink. Do not look at your circumstances. Please listen to me. I'm a mother in this house. I'm probably a grandmother to most of you. Please listen. Don't look at your circumstances. Speak to them. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. God is here. God is with us. God wants to come a whole lot more into our days, into our lives. He wants you to be blessed Blessed, blessed. But blessed is the man or woman who what? Is patient. Patient under temptation. Stands up. Patient in a trial, excuse me. And stands up. Okay, so don't, don't, don't say, oh, I'm in this great big trial. I'm overwhelmed. Oh, I'm overwhelmed. Oh, I'm too much. <coughs> oh, I can't take it. And figure out who else you can down and dump on. Because whoever you down dump on, hopefully was an intercessor who does stand up. Rise up. We, we, are, we are part of God's plan for this city. We are part of God's plan for this whole world that we're in for a short amount of time. We are part of a bigger picture. See, Peter, Peter made mistakes. He didn't see the bigger picture. He said to Jesus, you're not going to die. I'm not going to let you go to the cross. This is not going to happen. And what did, what did Jesus do? He said, hey, get behind me. He knew he had a vision and a purpose. There are times when you're going to know, I have a vision. I have a purpose. I have to fulfill this. Hey, I'm going to tell people, get out of my way. I'm not going to do that. Don't you understand? It's not that I don't love you. I'm just saying, don't do that. Because I am fighting through to get to the other side and to get to the other side well. So if you want to get to the other side, pray and get the bigger picture. I kind of feel like this this morning, but I'm telling you the Lord is with us. He's with us to help us. He's with us to celebrate. So those of you that have a birthday, come on up. Come on up, musicians. Let's do a bit of celebrating. Thank you. Let's finish early or on time or whatever time it is. I don't know. Hardly can read my watch. There's so much to share about this Rosh Hashanah time. There's so much to talk about that 
the previous, you know, everything's gone now. We're, we've, we've actually moved in. You've been hearing us for months say we're going to be moving into a new season. Hey, guess what? The door is open. We're in it. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 